Well, good morning. I hope the fact that I'm standing before you isn't too much of a surprise. I don't know if uh, too many people knew I was I would be speaking, uh, including myself, before last week. But um, Wiley is right in that I have done this a few times before. Actually, I'll, I'll tell you one quick story, and then we'll go ahead and start studying God's Word. My first uh, summer after knowing Wiley, I spent a summer with his father. And I was shadowing Jim, Brother Jim Beeson, and at his congregation there. And my goal was to learn how to preach. Now, Brother Beeson had told me, you know, I will let you speak from time to time, but on one, on one condition. I don't want your talks to go over 20 minutes. Okay. He said, if you go 25 minutes, that's fine. If you go beyond 25 minutes, we're going to have a talk. You know, we never really had that talk. And uh, I really don't think I've, uh, I don't think I've disappointed them since. So, this morning, if you would please turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 18. We'll begin studying the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector while they're in the synagogue. And we'll begin in Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 9. Also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Christ says, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. On the other hand, we see the tax collector. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not even so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Christ said, I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For, who, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. I love this parable because it gives a stark contrast between two types of individuals. On one hand, you see a Pharisee. On the other hand, you see a tax collector. Now, here's what's unique about this situation, though. As different as both of them are, they're both trying to seek God. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in the synagogue praying. They both were seeking righteousness, but by various means, or by different means. What I would like to do this morning is study how we should examine ourselves in righteousness. How, ought we to, how should we seek righteousness? Also, how should we define righteousness? Let's take a look at the, at the characters of the two uh, men here. Here we see a, par, uh, a Pharisee in the parable. And Pharisees were, of this time, they were spiritual elitists. They knew the law of Moses. They knew it well. They were spiritual conservatives. Whenever it came to preaching the law of Moses to the others and living the law of Moses, they had set up their own standards to make sure that they would never transgress the law of Moses, not even come close to it. But I, I think what's interesting is if we read a few verses out of Matthew chapter 6, I just want to read a few verses for you out of Matthew chapter 6, we'll get uh, 
an interesting insight from Christ himself as far as what the true character and what the heart of a Pharisee or most Pharisees actually was. We look in verse 2. Christ says, Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the street, that they may have glory from men. But surely I say to you, they have their reward. Here we see the Pharisees were quite good at doing charitable deeds. They were very generous, I suppose. But Christ saw their hearts. He calls them hypocrites. We take a look in verse 5. Christ says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogue, and on the corners of the street, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So here we see that they were uh, religious men in the community. You can often find the Pharisee praying in public places. In verse 16, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to them to be fasting. As surely I say to you, they have their reward. Here we see that they went beyond the law of Moses. Here we see that they were often fasting. The Pharisee in our parable here actually fasted twice a week. But where was their heart? Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 23. I'll read a few verses out of Matthew chapter 23. Let's take a look at verse 5. Christ said, But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. Here a phylactery is actually a little box that you can wear on your body somewhere. They actually have various scriptures from the law of Moses rolled up inside of it. Now, here we see that they would wear phylacteries that were large, hard to miss, almost as a fashion statement. Verse 6, we see, they love the best seats in, at the feast and the best seats in the synagogues. Here they love places of honor. They love to be revered by men. Another verse that evidences that is in verse 7. They love greetings in the marketplaces and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. They love to go by pious titles, such as Rabbi and Teacher. But let me ask you, Christ calls these men, these religious elitists, the religious conservatives of their time, why would he call them hypocrites? Well, I think it's for actually two reasons. One reason is because even though they knew the law of Moses, for the most part, they were to the point where they would actually overlook certain passages of the law of Moses. They would find ways not to obey certain commands. And I wanted to share one particular passage with you. In Matthew, I believe it's chapter 16. Excuse me. Matthew chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. Actually, I'll begin in verse 3. 
Christ answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and mother. For he who curses his father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father and mother, Whatsoever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. Then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. I see that's one of the main reasons why the Pharisees were actually considered a hypocrite. I think the other reason why Christ calls them a hypocrite is actually evident through this parable. And it's also because Christ was able to see their heart. Their heart was no, was no longer on pleasing God and seeking the approval of God, but rather seeking the approval of man. Let's take a look at our tax collector now. This tax collector was actually a Jew, or a, maybe a proselyte, someone who was practicing Judaism, though. But he was employed by the Roman government. And to actually get an idea and a, and a true sense of what it, what it was like to be a tax collector, I, I think we maybe have to imagine what would it be like to work for the IRS. Friends are few and far between. But you see, what, something that's unique is that the Romans really didn't care that much for Jews, so he really couldn't make a whole lot of friends with the Romans, even though he worked for the Romans. But because he was commonly collecting the taxes from the Jews, obviously the taxes aren't, or the, uh, the Jews aren't going to want to be friends with a tax collector. This individual was somebody who was a social outcast, someone who would be considered a traitor by his uh, Jewish countrymen. I think whenever we take a look at, at the difference between the tax collector and the Pharisee, what we see is, with the Pharisee, this is a man that truly belonged in the synagogue, according to uh, his Jewish brethren. Whenever we actually take a look at the tax collector, this is a man who his Jewish brethren would, would see him as having no business trying to pray to God in the synagogue. But I also want to take a look at the two different prayers that they prayed. Whenever we read what the Pharisee prayed, he said, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector here. I fast twice a week. I give a tithe. I give a tenth of everything that I own. Here we see a man that did good deeds. In fact, he was actually naming his good deeds to God. He was listing them off. We also see where he was comparing himself to the other Jews that were maybe around him. Now, so let me this is, let me describe the picture that I see whenever I read this parable. I see a Pharisee standing in the center of the synagogue. I see him in a place where others would probably notice a Pharisee in the synagogue while they're trying to pray themselves. I see a Pharisee who felt like he belonged in this setting. But you see, whenever he started praying to God, he started listing his deeds. He started listing his good deeds. But you see, he also started comparing himself to the others around him. He said, Lord, aren't you glad to have me as a Jew? You see, his standard of righteousness was actually comparing himself to the faults of others. But in doing that, 
it actually failed to honestly examine his own heart, where he would find the sinfulness and the wickedness that Christ had so often condemned in the Pharisees. But then we take a look at the tax collector. And I can use three words, actually, to describe the tax collector's prayer. Short, simple, and humble. Because, you see, even though the Pharisees felt like he belonged in this setting, we see a, we see a tax collector who didn't even feel worthy to pray among his countrymen. He stood afar off. We see a man who felt unworthy to address God. We see a man who felt as though he couldn't even raise his own eyes to pray to God. You see, this is a man who knew that he couldn't trust in the old good deeds that he had uh, performed because of the sin that he had committed in his past. This is a man, you see, who knew it would take an act of God for him to leave justified. Whereas the Pharisee felt he didn't need God's help. He felt as though he was already justified by his own words. Now what I want to do is take a look at the two different results of the two different prayers prayed by these two different men. By the Pharisee, as I've already mentioned, he was a religious conservative. He was a man who could list his righteousness in comparison to his Jewish countrymen. And he was a man who was revered by his Jewish countrymen. He would often go by the title of rabbi or teacher. He was a man who sought the best seats at the feast and in the synagogue. And as I've already said a couple of times, this is a man that belonged in a setting like this. This was a man who in his own eyes felt as though he didn't need God's help. But here we see that Christ said, this man left unjustified when he went home. You know, if we take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, I think we can begin to see a little bit more into why it's so important to have love, to have the right heart ready to perform these good deeds. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13 in the first couple of verses, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. You see, we may have our own righteous rituals, just as this Pharisee, but if our heart's not in the right place, it's really pointless, and it's worthless to God. We see the Pharisee, despite his righteous deeds, because of where his heart truly was, we saw a man that left unjustified. However, we see on the other hand, we have a tax collector who didn't even bother naming his own good deeds, but rather because of his own unrighteous acts, because of his own sins, we see where uh, he was the one that actually left justified. In this type of lesson, it's easy for me to, to find applications and, and uh, to preach. But really, whenever I started studying this, I realized this is not the type of sermon I actually enjoy hearing. 
no, actually, this is actually a, kind of uncomfortable to preach as well. Because as I was studying for this and looking for applications for me and for us to share, I started thinking, thinking to myself, man, I'm sure I'm glad I'm not like the Pharisees. But you see, whenever I start thinking that way, as though, man, I'm glad I'm not like that Pharisee, and I read this parable again, it's almost as if the, the, the parable is echoing the same sentiment that I just thought to myself. Lord, I'm glad I'm not like this tax collector. You see, in reality, whenever we come to worship God, if we feel like we belong here, if we feel like this is, this is a place where we belong, where we actually fit in, in God's presence, then actually this lesson is meant for us and for you. Let's take a look at what Christ is actually warning us against by telling this parable. First of all, I think Christ is warning us against self-righteousness. Because when we take a look at the Pharisees, even though they prayed, even though they fasted, even though they gave a tenth of all that they earned, Whenever we read Matthew chapter 6 and, in verse tw- uh, and also chapter 23, we see where Christ still called them hypocrites. You see, we also understand the, the verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, where Paul says, Let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. We understand that we shouldn't be self-righteous. But sometimes, let me ask you, do we sometimes grow comfortable with our own righteous routines, with our own common everyday practices? You know, we do certain things. We don't do other things according to the Word of God. But how often do we actually have a spiritual checkup and examine our own hearts? Because, you, you see, righteousness is not about spiritual conservatism. Righteousness is actually about the way we approach God and God's Word. Because, you see, if we have the proper attitude and if we have the proper heart in the way that we approach God and His Word, everything's going to fall into place. We no longer worry about comparing ourselves to others. We have the higher standard now in which we compare ourselves to God and His Word. We also see that Jesus warns against arrogance. We see the Pharisee look down on the others around him, thankful that he was not guilty of the same sin. But we have, being able to have the same insight as Christ, we understand that this Pharisee was guilty of a slew of his own sins. We take a look at the man who belonged in worship and the man who probably didn't fit in in the worship setting. And whenever we take a look around us, you know, sometimes we may see somebody that might stand out a little bit. How do we respond to that individual as Christians? Let me give you an example, two, two different examples. There was a church where I was worshiping one time whenever a young man walked in. He, had, he was dressed in black from head to toe. I mean, this is a long time ago, but he was one of those gothic characters. 
you know, the, the black fingernail polish, the, uh, the black shoes. Not the type of character you would expect to walk into a worship setting. But as I saw from a distance as he was walking in, I started noticing people walking around him, not really wanting to, to talk to him, avoiding eye contact. Eventually, I was able to sit down with him and, and talk with him for a little bit, and and uh, almost felt like though I had to apologize for these for my brothers and sisters who tried to avoid him. Now, let me give you another example. Whenever I was home uh, last weekend or the weekend before, the, I was worshiping with my parents and. Uh, they had a, a similar type character walk in, and wouldn't you know, this guy had had a crowd of people around him wanting to get to know him, wanting to meet him, hoping he would come back. You know, we were the we had the, we were responsible for locking up the building, and wouldn't you know that people kept talking to him for so long, and there was such a long line of people to talk to him, that he was one of the last people to leave too. Now, if you put yourself in that in the the outcast shoes, and you walk into a worship setting, which type of congregation would you want to go go to? The first one that I described, where nobody really wanted you to be there, or the second congregation, where in fact you can't seem to get away? Let us ask ourselves: Do we take a look at ourselves in our own righteous routine? And think about how good we are, and then consequently, compare ourselves to others and look down on them. I think the, the next lesson Jesus warns us against, or actually teaches us, is the value of humility. Let me ask you this. Why was the Pharisee not justified despite his righteous deeds? Well, as we've already talked about, it was not because he was able to do it all on his own. It was because of his heart. And why was the tax collector justified when he left? Was, did, was he justified because God didn't care about the sins that he had committed? No. Because, you see, they were both sinners, despite the righteous deeds they had both committed. And even though the tax collector may have been justified, he was trusting in an act of God for him to achieve that level of justification and righteousness. Now let me ask you this morning. Are we trusting in our own righteous routines? Whenever we approach God, are we thankful? Do we, do we approach God in a way that we expect God to be thankful that we're one of his children? Do we often overlook our own faults and think ourselves better than others? Or on the other hand, do we seek justification through our own humility, knowing that my sins are just as vile as the dregs of society? As I mentioned before, the applications in this lesson are not hard to find. But you see, the real challenge is can I actually live these applications? And that's the challenge I'm going to make to you this morning.
Now let me ask you this. Maybe you're standing, or maybe you're sitting in, in your chair, and maybe you feel like you might be a, a social outcast, somebody who might not belong in a, in a setting where people are worshiping God, where, you're, where you actually have an audience with God. Maybe you don't feel like you belong there. Well, for you, I actually have good news and bad news. The bad news first is that if you stay where you are and you don't make any changes, that justification that you might be looking for is going to stay out of reach. But here's the good news. Just as a tax collector trusted in an act of God, you see there was an act of God that you can call upon too. And that was Christ actually dying for your sins. So let me ask you this. Are you willing to make the changes necessary in your life? Are you willing to submit your will to God's will? Are you willing to take hold of that justification that has been made available to you? If, in fact, there's something that we can do for you this morning, would you please come forward as we stand and as we sing?